Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my humble studio nestled somewhere in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Saturday. Yes, you heard me right. Saturday, October the 28th, 2023, a special Saturday edition of the MBW podcast. And as promised, we're going to have Randy and Shane on here in a moment to talk about technology, warfare, and Bible prophecy. And I tell you what, what a blessing it is to have these two guys in my life, and I'm so thankful for them sharing their time uh, with uh, the NBW family, and I know you've uh, been blessed by all the great information they've provided uh, over the years since they've uh, been on, and uh, this will be the first time we've had Randy and Shane on together, and uh, so I can't wait to to kind of pick both their brains, and, and what a time to be talking about uh, warfare with what's going on over there in Israel, and really with little skirmishes percolating all over the globe. And uh, we're going to talk about that as we get started with them here in just a moment. Before we dive in, a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll look at a passage of Scripture to set the stage for our topic uh, today. First of all, big news. Finally, at long last, uh, my last three books are now available directly from Amazon on Kindle. So those of you that are Kindle users, you've been waiting for the Kindle versions. Uh, you know, we've sold uh, for a long time now the PDF versions, which can be imported into Kindle. Uh, but that's not always ideal. You don't have all the functionality of a pure Kindle book. So now you can get Spirit of the Antichrist Volumes 1 and 2 and Spirit of the False Prophet on Kindle. Just go to Amazon.com, search Kindle Books for those titles. Uh, we're going to be sending out an email uh, later today uh, that will have those same links as well. Uh, we've also posted it already at the Not By Works website. I think it's in either the first or second position on the highlight carousel. Uh, but spread the word. I know, uh, you know, we 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 were we took a long time to do that. For one thing, it's it's just not that easy dealing with Amazon. And uh, secondly, uh, there's really no easy way to do it without giving them, you know, a huge percentage of the cost. And finally, we just said, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the Lord's uh, blessing not by works, and we make some revenue off of our print books. And so we just want to get the message out there. And so now, it is. So uh, we don't make much off of them, but it uh, certainly is a blessing to those who use Kindle. Uh, I know I've even got family members that uh, have been begging to, to get these on Kindle. And so now they're there. So check that out at, uh, at notbyworks.org, or you can go directly to Amazon. Uh, and then we want to remind you, too, that we've got uh, lots of new uh, material being posted regularly to the free section of our online store. And by the way, if you go to the online store at notbyworks.org slash store and check on the e uh, check out the ebooks section, we will link you from there directly to the Amazon page. Uh, so you can't purchase them through our store, but we can at least link you to them. Uh, but while you're there, check out the free stuff. Lots of great uh, stuff there for free including the new uh, document I posted here recently, Five Kinds of Death in Scripture. Uh, and then uh, sign up for our newsletter on the website there. Uh, we, we send out a newsletter generally on Tuesdays and Saturdays each week, unless there's some uh, special uh, event. Uh, so uh, we've had a great week here. I hope you've enjoyed all the guests that we've had on, and next week is stacking up to be uh, even better when you think about it. But uh, this week we had John Haller, Bill Salas, I had Randall Price, Tom Hughes, all of them talking about Israel. Next week uh, we have lined up Alex Newman will be on the program to talk about how the global elite influence world leaders. Don Perkins is going to be on the program talking about Is America in Bible Prophecy? We've also got uh, uh, Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers will be on talking about why Christians should support secular Israel. And our good friend Lucas Doremus is going to be back on. He's going to be talking about why Satan wants a global digital ID, how that is an advantage to him as he tries to roll out his satanic uh, plan. And of course, we'll have Randy on and we'll try to get Shane on uh and, uh, and so it's just going to be a great week next week. But before we bring on Randy and Shane today for the special Saturday podcast, we're going to be talking about warfare. So let's take a look at the uh, sort of the consummate war in Scripture. And that uh, even uh, non-Bible conversant folks know the term Armageddon, and that comes uh, straight out of a Scripture. For example, we see in Revelation 19, when Christ comes back, 
after he's come in great power and glory at the end of the tribulation, verse 19 says, I saw the beast, the, that's the Antichrist, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, against Christ, who sat on the horse, and against his army. And the, the lead up to this in Revelation comes from uh, the, the bold judgments, which I believe take place in the waning hours of the tribulation. I literally think uh, all of the bold judgments are kind of preparatory for the Battle of Armageddon, uh, such as the Euphrates drying up, that kind of thing. And I think they take place in the last uh, few days or so to, to kind of the climax of this final uh, great day of the Lord's wrath, uh, the seven-year period. But uh, the sixth bowl, uh, we read about this in Revelation 16, verse 12, the bowl of God's judgment. It says, um, uh, it, it was poured out on the great river Euphrates, its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So that's the, the unholy trinity. They're all kind of coalescing together to get ready for this final battle. Uh, and the Bible tells us they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together for battle in that great day of God Almighty. And we read in verse 16 of chapter 16, they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew called Armageddon or Har-Megiddo. So uh, that is the consummate battle. There are many other battles mentioned in, in connection with end times prophecy. Uh, most of you if you listen to this program, you are certainly aware of the Battle of Gog and Magog from Ezekiel 38 and 39. That is the battle that really, I think, sets the stage for the tribulation period. Uh, some Bible teachers suggest it may even bleed over into the tribulation period. Andy Woods takes that view, for example. Uh, in my book, What Lies Ahead, a biblical overview of the end times, I have a chapter on Gog and Magog, and I uh, discuss eight different viewpoints of the timing of our of the battle of Gog and Magog. So we don't really know the precise timing, but it is clearly a prominent battle that uh, correlates to uh, the the return of the Lord and the the, the uh, tribulation period, the seventieth week of Daniel. And then we've got wars that have are also in the news a lot lately from Bible prophecy experts like Psalm eighty three and Isaiah seventeen, the destruction of Damascus, and uh, you know it's it's still to me an open question whether we can say definitively with absolute certainty that those are prophetic portions of Scripture. But I tell you what, as my friend Bill Salas has made the case right here on this program, the, the evidence is starting to mount as you really compare Scripture with Scripture, that these are, in fact, uh, battles that relate to the end time. So as things are unfurling over there in Israel, and uh, the United States is now sending massive amounts of troop and armaments over there, clearly preparing for something, uh, even secularists, even unbelievers are now out there talking about, quote, biblical events and how this all seems like biblical proportions. And when that starts happening, it certainly gets your attention. And so I think it's very timely that we've got uh, our good friends Shane and Randy uh, giving up their valuable time with us today to talk about uh, how uh, technology and warfare converge uh, and will very likely play a, a key part in a lot of these end times uh battle. So welcome, gentlemen. Let's uh, let's go to uh, Randy first. And of course, we'll be chiming in, uh, all of us, uh, periodically throughout. But let's just let's give uh, Randy the mic first. And Randy, uh, tell us, uh, first of all, anything new or breaking since you were on the program Wednesday? And then uh, maybe uh, kind of talk to us about some of the uh, key weaponry that you've heard is being deployed. All right. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. As usual, I will bring you the gloom and doom, and maybe Shane can come up with some of the good stuff for you. I hope he's got some green and yellow, because mine are all red. Sorry. <laughs> uh, to begin with, the ground invasion in Gaza has begun. The Israeli Defense Force, which I will, I will call the IDF from now on, uh, has begun their incursion into Gaza. They are moving in in mass. Um, they are taking care of the Gaza Strip. They are hopefully going to find the terrorists. They are talking about using nerve gas to move these people, the hostages, out of the tunnels. Unfortunately, I think what they're going to find is probably all the hostages are dead. 
If they're not, they will be shortly because that at this point, there is no reason for anybody to take a hostage and be encumbered with that. Now, the United States has been getting seriously involved, even though they don't admit it. They've been running bombing strikes in Lebanon and in Syria. And as a matter of fact, U.S. Special Forces troops were killed just the other day um, in basically basically an ambush by the Hamas guerrillas. Um, a couple of things before I go deeper into that, I want you to know. There is a rumor that Vladimir Putin is dead. It is a rumor. Nobody can say yes or no. So kind of keep it at the, you know, at the back of your mind. We'll see what transpires. If indeed he is dead, that is a game changer. Uh, we've heard he's had cancer. He was going to die a year ago. He was still around. So who knows? But keep it at the back of your mind. Russia this morning raised their interest rates to 15%. Jamie Dimon, the head of the uh, J.P. Morgan Bank, decided he'd dump $100 billion in J.P. Bank this morning in stock. And Warren Buffett has also dumped bank stock. So uh, expect the markets to make some really erratic moves next week. It seems like all the rich people know what's going on and what's going to happen. We're kind of left out, kind of watching from afar, hoping to guess. Um be assured, though, there's something negative coming. Um, Israeli command and control aircraft was airborne this morning. That is the aircraft they use to control all aspects of their military in case their uh, prime minister and the rest of them are taken out. It is now in the eastern Mediterranean, flying among all the United States ships, British ships that are out there. So Probably the safest place in the world for it to be right now. Uh, the Ukraine this morning said they are going to pause their attack against Russia because of a lack of funding. In other words, we haven't donated our $100 billion to them yet, and they can't go any further. Now, the reason that's important, while the United States is busy in the Middle East, we're bringing all of our assets into the Middle East. It is a prime time for Russia to move against the Ukraine for China to move against Taiwan, and for our friend in North Korea to take and do something with North Korea and Japan. So this, this entire scenario may blow up into something that is uh, unmanageable very, very shortly. Um, the Baltic pipeline you've heard uh, basically that carries the information, not fuel, but information from Sweden and Finland to Estonia has been damaged three times. Uh, the Estonians have uh, done some research and found that a Chinese ship was in the area at the time dragging an anchor, and they believed it caused the damage on purpose to all of those pipeline areas. So Finland, the Baltic states feel that they're really at risk right now because Russia has said, Repeatedly, you're going to be the first mark we have if we start a war. Um, the Russians have been providing a lot of recon in that area, redirecting missiles, moving troops in that area. So that would be probably the first place after the Ukraine they would go. Now, I don't want to take a lot of time on some of the systems we have because I want to hear what these other two guys have to say. But. AI in the military is very important, becoming more important all of the time. The AI, they call the wingman for the Navy. Someday they wanted to actually be able to fly the aircraft. We are not there yet by any means, but they are able to land at the planes and analyze food supplies, moving of material, and flying tankers, which is hard to believe they've moved that far, but let's face it, we have such a deficit in uh, volunteers for the military right now, we're gonna have to make changes or institute a draft. Instituting a draft is gonna be very unpopular because it's an election year next year. So they're putting all the pressure on AI they can. Now I watched some film where they had AI landing one of the aircraft, did a really good job. The AI doesn't have nerves. It doesn't have a twitch in their eye. They're not sick or anything. And it um, really, really made a difference in the landing capabilities of the aircraft. 
uh, it made all of the adjustments. There's supposedly 300 adjustments that have to be made in the final minute of an aircraft landing on a carrier. AI did that with absolutely no problem. Uh, they find that people have a lot of problems doing that, so they're really looking to advance there. Uh, we also have an MQ-25, which is an aircraft that's used for refueling, and they have a couple of these that are being flown by AI right now. By 2026, they want all of these refueling aircraft using AI rather than actual people pilots. The F-35s today, those are the premier fighters that the United States uses, are using enhanced AI, but it's not to the point where it's as good as ChatGP and some of that. It's at the beginning because it costs a fortune to install the necessary hardware and software into the aircraft, but they would also like to see fighter aircraft being flown by computer, by AI rather than humans, so that they um, save on human morbidity and mortality. Um, AI manages the food flow on a lot of ships. And I want you to take note of this. It is especially good at ice cream and juices. So <laughs> if President Biden goes to visit one of these craft, he'll have all the different ice creams he wants already there for him. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, we get a lot of questions on missile systems. Let me put it like this. We basically have the ICBMs, the Miniman 3, which are located in four states, as we've covered many times. We have the Patriots. We have the THAAD system. And we also have a battle system. Now, the THAAD is the Terminal High Altitude Air Defense Missile. It is basically in California and in Alaska. It's the only place you're going to see it, except for the ones that are being sent to the Mideast right now. We also have the Patriot systems, which we have interspersed in different places. Uh, it is a low-altitude anti-aircraft system. And basically, we're looks like we're sending them all to Israel the way it's going right now. Now, people all the time want to bring up, well, we have anti-ballistic missiles. Yes and no. We have 44 of those located at Vandenberg Air Base in California and located in the middle of <coughs> Alaska, excuse me. Now, there's 44 of them and I want you to keep that in mind here for just a second. All right, the US military has conducted a lot of research and a lot of time and money into using the missile systems that we have being anti-ballistic missiles. Now, the problem is when an incoming missile from Russia, China, or whatever is lifting off, that's called the boost phase. All right. Basically, that's the best time to hit it as far as defense goes because it's a bigger object to hit. It's also going slower. But in the boost phase, you have 230 seconds. Now, that means... NORAD's going to have to figure out if it is actually a threat. They're going to have to get everything in place to attack that. And then they're going to have to launch. It takes a hundred seconds minimally to do that. So that leaves us basically 130 seconds or two minutes left. Okay. As these things lift off in the boost stage, the interceptors will basically clock in on them and try to hone in on what is actually a threat and what is not. Now, these are all done by computer and by men right now, which causes problems. These missiles are traveling, you know, thousands of miles an hour. We're trying to pinpoint radar to bring them down. But at this point and through the rest of the phases, it's like aiming a bullet at a bullet. Now, when the missiles reach their, uh, what do I want to say, mobile, uh, let me see, got a word here, mid-course, mid-course, they are not as easy to hit, but they're slower. Now, when they hit mid-course, the Russian ICBMs carry 50 different packages or MERPs, multiple independent, independent reentry vehicles. Ten of those are real missiles, 
40 of them are fake. So whatever missile is shot at them is going to have to decide which one do we want to hit because otherwise you're wasting your interceptor missiles on what's coming in. All right, so the computers are working, the people are trying to interpret the data. Uh, so far, it's abysmal to uh, look at what our kill rate is. Um, when that missile then begins its descent and all of those little packages are dispersed, you have everything then going at 15,000 miles an hour. Now, unfortunately, that's nine times faster than what our interceptors can go. Now, the question is asked, how many missiles could we knock down with 44 interceptors? If we're lucky, we'll get one. Now, the Russian initial launch will be between 400 and 600 ICBMs. Take that times 10 for each warhead that's active you have 6,000 targets. In other words, we don't have a chance. It yeah, is and, over the minute they, they launch. And so this is th these numbers you're giving are comparing Russia with the United States, and that's to right. say nothing of other either nation states or rogue groups that might also have missiles. So uh, let's, let's bring Shane in here. Um, I mean, you know, you heard Randy kind of create kind of a, uh, not very uh, encouraging outlook in terms of our warfare. What's your overall take on American readiness? And uh, do you do you concur? Uh, not trying to pitch you guys against each other because I think you do agree. But uh, do you concur, or what, kind of what's your perspective on uh, technology and our readiness? I um, well, first off, I want to say I'm. I'm pretty stunned at what randy just said in that we only have 44 of these mm -hmm. how in the world do we have just that number and when you put this up against how depleted we are weapon wise due to our involvement in ukraine and and of course now israel um this is stunning i just i don't yeah. even have words i think um, it was during the obama administration that we got rid of most of them is that right uh, randy well, during the Reagan administration with the START and the SALT treaties, we were going to have hundreds on each coast and on the Gulf, but they gave that up. Reagan said, we won't do that if you'll do this. Mm -hmm. So they got 44 of them started, and then Obama said, we're not going to increase them. Trump wanted to, but never got to it because he was busy, yeah, he and didn't Biden get, he, doesn't he even didn't. understand it. Yeah, and Trump Trump didn't get to a lot of things that he said he was going to do. I'm still waiting for that wall to be built. That would come in handy right now with all these terrorists coming across the border. But uh, anyway, back to you, uh, Shane. Yeah, so so that's just stunning to me. But but I think this um, this war. I agree with what Randy said. Um, and this war is going to be very different than any other war we we fought. Um, we might see weaponry weaponry revealed that has just been rumor up to this point. Um, and we will also likely see um, even, you know, uh, relatively uh, old weaponry that's just been retrofitted with advanced guidance systems and AI systems become much more devastating than in the past because of increased accuracy. Um, and, and by the way, at this point, I'm talking about AI assisting our, our troops. I'm not talking about autonomous AI, which is a completely separate um thing you know the uh what randy was saying about the autonomous planes is absolutely true in the past year um and i, and I think we all all had the same article there's that uh discussion of some testing the military did with autonomous fighter jets taking on if i remember correctly it was the the, the very best of the folks from top gun okay mm -hmm. so we had you know i think it's easy to say that the very finest examples of human fighter pilots um, that that we have. And when they took on the AI, they got thoroughly defeated. And something that uh, one of the, I don't, I don't remember his rank, but somebody in charge of the overall uh, exercise said, you know, what, what really stunned us is we saw the AI doing things that we would never imagining ourselves do. Mm. You know, if we, we weren't fighting, you know, we, we, we assumed we were going to be fighting essentially an electronic human, right? Something that thought like a human, 
Um, but in whatever kind of AI system they were using in that plane, you know, they they felt like they were not fighting something that was human. Mm-hmm. And that was a very new experience for them. So we might see some stuff in the coming months that is stunning to us. Now, in your view, Shane, where, where do you think we're most likely to see the United States uh, have to engage uh, defensively? I mean, where are we most vulnerable right now? Our grid. There, there's no question. Hmm. Um, it, I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to say anybody who gets an answer other than the grid is wrong. Hmm. Um, if you if you our grid is not. You know, incredibly hard to take out, it does require certainly some 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 tools, some resources and some knowledge. But we're not talking about some incredible military activity. Um, and if you take out our grid, the United States is going to disappear. You know, we, we've all seen the congressional EMP study from probably 20 years ago. Yeah. During the Gingrich days. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they were predicting within a year of some, you know, through whatever means, the grid going out, 90% kill rate in one year. Yeah. So the grid is by far, you know, our most vulnerable, but, you know, like with what, uh, you know, Randy just told us with the number of, 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 of you know, missiles we have to protect ourselves from enemies that are very publicly saying that they're ready for war with us is is just unbelievable. So that's going to play. That's going to be second. Okay, in my book, that's going to be second in, in in line. But the grid is concerning. So I want I want both of you to answer this. We'll start with you, Shane. But put your military strategists' uh, hats on. And so you you know you mentioned the grid obviously is is vulnerable. But if in this you know, this current fog of of war that's going on. We've got all kinds of fronts right now. We've got Syria, we've got Ukraine, obviously we've got Israel, uh, not to mention the ongoing issues with China and North Korea, Iran. Um, let's let's say the they do take down the grid. What else do you think we should watch for in connection with that that you think the enemy might be a planning. In other words, are they going to? Are we going to see some type of attack on the grid in conjunction with terror cells popping up? Are we going to see it in conjunction with actual missiles that Randy was just talking about coming over, which we seem ill-equipped to handle a huge onslaught of that? Are we going to see it with actual ships landing on our shores? What, what you know, kind of? I know it's pure speculation, and none of us, you know, are top security level clearance and have you know inside information. But uh, you know, we do have a biblical framework, and we have uh, you know, you guys are pretty smart guys what do you what do you see uh how do you see things unfolding i uh i think we'd have to answer that question in the context of what is the timeline of of russia and 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 the other countries um if it's very quick yeah i'd go for the grid um there'll certainly be a, a segment of the population that starts dying off of course because of the lack of electricity either through disease, lack of water, whatever it is, you know, the, the supply chain collapsing. And then, of course, also violence that's going to break out when resources are short. We're going to see the very worst examples of human nature. So, you know, uh, we, we could see that. Um, and like I said, if they're in the, uh, working with a, a shorter time frame, then, yeah, followed up with the missiles. Maybe there's, you know, um, people brought over with weapons just to increase the tear and 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 make the attrition go faster. Um, we can certainly see that if they're wanting to conserve resources and their time frame allows for it, maybe they take out the grid and they just assume a more defensive position and just let her let the United States die out in a year. Yeah. Randy, your thoughts? Well, I like the grid idea because during our podcast in the last few months, the grid is obviously, it is the most susceptible and the most easily accessed by terrorists, by satellites, by one missile, whatever. When you look at it, we know there are 200,000 terrorists plus in the United States. They've got their orders to do something. Now, they could use nerve gas, they could use biologicals. But why to go to all that problem when they probably know exactly where to hit the grid? Let's face it, the transformers, generators, et cetera, were all manufactured by China. Now, if China is helping sponsor the terrorists, 
I will guarantee you they have every bit of information they need to know how they are vulnerable, where they're at, and how to attack them. And if they do that, it's really nice and clean. You have no radiation. You have no explosions taking out huge areas. And like Shane said, the population dies off. Um, it's hard to say. I think it's going to be a multi-pronged attack. I believe that Russia, China, North Korea will all be active at the same time, along with Iran. And I truly do believe that there will be a terrorist attack in conjunction with all of that. You know, when the military tells me it's going to be massive, it's going to be horrendous. That tells me they unload every gun they have pretty much simultaneously. Yeah. And the mil- your military sources, of course, have been looking for flare ups in terms of uh, terrorist attacks for a couple of weeks now. Uh, yes. Definitely. And of course, it hasn't happened yet. I think part of the the thing that from my perspective that a lot of people miss, and, and, and even as we're talking about this, it's important to remind people, who is the enemy? The real enemy here is Satan and his human accomplices, the Luciferians. And so there are real battles taking place. There are rogue elements. There are competing agendas and wild cards and things. And so, yeah, any of that is true. But to me, I think, you know, the bigger chance is that when the Luciferians are ready to move into the final phase that they've been trumpeting for a hundred years now, which is the 2020s, when they're ready to usher in the one world system, uh, they've got to bring America down. It doesn't, that's not to say it couldn't fall organically before then, because again, they're not monolithic. They don't control everything. But if if we get to the point on their timeline, when they're ready to bring America down and God allows it, then I think, you know, they'll be the ones bringing down the grid, you know, prompting these um, flare ups and, you know, you know, hacking us uh, either here and abroad. Uh, I think it I think we're on the verge of some, uh, you know, some pretty uh, th- amazing things that we've never seen before. I mean, this is these are unprecedented times. Now, I want to interject here because I, we've we're, we've kind of this is taking kind of a dark turn already, and not not surprising. You know, Randy set the tone by saying we're going to focus on the red, not the green and the yellow. But uh, <laughs> but let me just mention that you know th- through it all, you know this is a spiritual battle. It's it's a cosmic struggle between good and evil, between God and Satan, as Satan tries to take over God's creation. He will not succeed. The Bible is clear that he will not succeed. He's already lost the battle when Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave by rising from the dead. But let's not forget that it's a spiritual battle. And that means that priority number one for every person listening to this podcast right now is your own spiritual life. Has there been a time in your life when you've trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation? And those are not just words. Those are the good news of the Bible, the whole uh, redemption story of the Bible is that God rescued his own creation from the predicament we got ourselves in called sin. We have free will. We chose to sin, yet God loves us so much he created a, a remedy for our sin problem, and that remedy was the death sacrificially of his very own son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who took your place and my place on the cross and died and then rose again. And when he rose again, Satan lost the battle is essentially over. It's just waiting for everything to play out on the world scene. Uh, but he also purchased with his blood uh, eternal life. And he can he and he alone can give that gift of eternal life to anyone who receives it from him. Now, how do you receive it? By faith. You don't receive it by being better or turning your life around or straightening your life out or uh, promising to stop sinning or telling God I'll be better or doing a bunch of good works or paying indulgences or getting baptized or any of that. The only possible way that you can receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins is by trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. It's a simple matter of faith. So I encourage everybody listening uh, to take that initial step of faith, and then if you've already been saved, and I know most of our audience has, then we we the same way that we're saved, Paul tells us in Galatians that we begin by faith, but we also continue by faith. We walk by faith. Uh, Sadly, many Christians uh, stop believing. They're they're shipwrecked on the sidelines of Christianity. It doesn't mean they go to hell, because thankfully our eternal destiny isn't 
contingent upon our ability to hang on to God. He gives us the gift of eternal life the moment we believe, and nothing can ever change that. If it's eternal life, it can never be lost by definition. But the task of the believer is to keep trusting God till the bitter end, to persevere all the way, to trust God in the midst of these things. And and guys, I believe, and I know you guys agree, that if the Lord tarries his coming, we're going to we're going to face some pretty trying times in America like we've never seen before. Now, it's nothing new globally speaking. I'm brothers and sisters in Christ for 2000 years have faced unspeakable horrors and persecution and devastation. Nations rise and fall and people die and suffer, uh, but we are very sheltered as 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 Christians in America and I don't think the average believer is prepared uh, to make the kind of sacrifices we're going to have to make. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I just felt led of the Lord to, because I can kind of sense it was kind of a heaviness and folks may be thinking, oh my heavens, where are we going? Well, it's it's not looking good. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's Saturday uh, on Friday. Uh, I guess it was really Thursday night, uh, really, we, we saw that the things intensify Thursday night from the American time zone uh, with the U.S. retaliating against Iran. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Friday, we saw the ground uh, invasion begin in uh, Gaza. Uh, and I think it's a powder keg. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, kind of reflect on some of the things I've talked about, Randy. Real quick, can I jump in yeah, on yeah, what sure. you something that that when you were speaking just uh, was weighing on me is for everyone to keep in mind that um, with all the, the the talk of preparation, there's one other area that um, we need to prepare for. And that's if, for example, if the grid goes down or some sort of other attack. I mean, there could be many things that, that occur, of course. Um, there's going to be a brief window of time before the um, truly horrific things start to occur um and and everyone will be paying attention so that will be a time for evangelism so have tracks have uh you know inexpensive bibles you can hand out there will be a, a small window of time that this occurs where yeah. you share the gospel and, and maybe even it's dropping tracks off at 4 a.m on people's doorsteps or some sort of other time right whenever you feel safe. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to uh, interact with people, which is the ideal is, of course, to um, is to interact with them. But um, but leave those gospel materials around. Yeah. Um, the gospel so is the power of God to salvation, Romans 1, 16. In other words, we can't argue people into the faith. We can't convince them. It's the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel that does that. And uh, by the way, we've had a, a, an upsurge in, in people purchasing our good news tracks that we created here at Not By Works Ministries. We had someone just this week order 400 of them. We sell them in bundles of 100. Uh, and uh, we give them away all over the place. Every conference we go to, uh, we put gospel tracks out in huge stacks on our tables with signs that say, take all you want, and give them away. We also, every piece of mail that leaves our office, um, orders that are shipped out, uh, contribution receipts, just regular letters, Every piece of mail has a gospel track in it. I'm sure some people get that and they go, what, does he think I'm not a Christian? Or, But uh, if you get one from us and you're a Christian, pass it on to someone who isn't, you know? So that's a great point, Randy. Uh, you can go to, uh, there's lots of places you can get tracks, but obviously uh, you want to make sure that the tracks are accurate. And unfortunately, there's a lot of, there are a lot of bad tracks out there that don't clearly articulate the one and only means of salvation. Uh, they might get the, get it right on the front end, explaining the predicament that you're a sinner who needs a Savior, but at the end, they fumble the ball by saying, oh, just turn your life over to Jesus, or give your all to Him, or make Him Lord of your life, or put Him on the throne of your heart, those things that are all unbiblical. The only means is faith. And so uh, check out our tracks at notbyworks.org. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just ordered more uh, because of we've had such a run on them uh, lately, and we've still we've still got some here. But uh, just look for the good news tracks uh, uh, here. Anything else? I, I kind of cut you off there, Shane. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm full agreement there. Um, yeah, I would like to modify my previous statement. They need to be good tracks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jamie's right. There are there are some that are just not that good. So. Um, so, yeah, get, get something that um, uh, is is true to the gospel um, doesn't add a bunch of other stuff that's really not relevant. Um, I've seen tracks that had additional information that was 
good biblical uh, information, but it didn't have anything to do with the salvation. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is a discipleship things and we don't want to confuse those two. Yeah. So get something that, you know, this is going to be a time of incredible focus, stress, concern, where there's going to be an opportunity and, and let's not blow it by a, um, not doing anything. Okay. Um, but that B, we don't want to blow up by handing out bad info. You know, let's let's yeah. get the gospel out. And another suggestion that just comes to my mind uh, is we have an 80-page booklet uh, called The Gospel Unplugged, Good News, Plain and Simple. Uh, it's easy to read. You can read it in one sitting in half an hour. I mean, it's it's very uh, simple booklet. It's like an expanded track, but it very clearly explains the plan of salvation. And uh, we sell those for uh, for ten bucks. Um, so they're not the kind of thing you'd want to necessarily give away, uh, you know, in bundles. But I would recommend maybe buying one of those and leaving it with your uh, left behind packet. You know, we sell the rapture placards that you can put by your door on front and back door that let people know, hey, if, if we've disappeared and millions of people have disappeared, here's what's happened. And it gives the gospel. Uh, a lot of people sell rapture uh kits that you can leave behind. Well, that little gospel unplugged booklet uh, is a great little resource to just leave on your, you know, the door by your, your, the table by your front door where you put your car keys or your kitchen counter or somewhere prominent where people that maybe don't know the Lord, if, if things, if the end of the world, as we know it happens, they can, they can pick that up and very clearly understand the gospel. So, all right, Randy, uh, with that, Let's uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, you know some of the stuff that we were talking about about what comes next. Well, I like what Shane said because while he was saying that, I was thinking the exact same thing. Now will be the chance for the greatest evangelism in a hundred years because people are going to focus. People are going to be looking for an answer. They're going to be scared witless just as soon as this begins. This is the perfect time as a Christian to let everybody know what you believe, what you stand for, and give them hope, because people will lose hope very quickly. I look at this probably spiraling out of control. Like we've talked before, it doesn't matter which battle we're talking about. Psalm 83, Gog, Magog, it doesn't matter. We know something here has started. I look at it to snowball. It is a sign that the scriptures are alive and prophecy is happening right before our eyes. So rather than worry about that, let's worry about, like Shane said, let's take care of each other. Let's take care of our spiritual life. Let's get ready. You know, you need your food. You need your water. You need all of that stuff. But in the end, if you are not saved, you spend a lot of money and time on nothing. So now is the time to get it together. If you've got people you're worried about, family, friends, or whatever, it's time to sit down and have a chat. So let's talk about uh, technology and the enemy. So uh, we've talked a little bit about some of our, you know, the way technology is enhancing and aiding in our warfare, weapons of warfare. Um, are there other nation states out there that, you know, have as advanced weapons as we do. I mean, we've kind of been negative on our military, and there's certainly a lot of justification for that. We've gone woke. We're, we've, you know, we just aren't in as good a shape as we uh, should be. I know there are, you know, great, patriotic, godly, brave men and women serving in our armed forces all over the place that, and I've talked to many of them that, that would say the same thing. We're not trying to paint with too broad of a brush here. We understand there's exceptions, but as a whole, our military is, is not as strong as it uh, as we wish it, it 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 were, but we're still pretty strong. Uh, are there enemy nations out there uh, that have you know the same level and capacities uh, technology wise in in warfare as we do? Whoever wants to take that one. Well, the Chinese basically are really advanced in robotics. They have um, robots that act like humans. They have four legged that work like dogs. Um, the United States and China appear to be somewhat on a similar standing there from what I can find. You know, they've armed some of these. Uh, some of them, are, they're coming along slowly, but they can operate somewhat as a true animal or a human. Uh, the Chinese 
are behind us, though. They don't have as many ICBMs, Air Force, Navy. They can say what they want to in a war with us. Just the two of us, they lose. Now, the Russians. The Russians' programs, I can't find out much about. But what worries me, the Russians keep talking about their Kinzhal missiles. All right. These things fly at Mach 24. Now, remember what I said, how fast the other missiles travel a few minutes ago. The thing with the Kinzhal missile is it doesn't go in an arc. When the United States, Russia, China launches an ICBM, it goes up and it comes down in a big arc. The Kinzhal missile basically is shot out, but it can increase, decrease its speed. It can change paths and it can be in the United States in seven and a half minutes. So technology wise, they're ahead there. As far as AI goes, you know, Shane will be better at being able to explain what they have and what they don't have, because I have been focusing on the United States and China. We're, we're close with China. We're trying to prevent them from getting the NVIDIA chips, getting more advanced. That battle continues. But the Russians are the one I worry about as far as missile systems um, and response times. The Chinese, you know, there's 1.4 billion of them. You know, they're willing to lose 500 million of them. I mean, how do you win against that? Except they can't travel. They don't have planes to get them to the United States. They don't have ships to get them here. So I don't worry about them much. But the Russians, I think, are more formidable at this time. Full agreement. Um, the Even with AI and all these other things, you still have to have a Navy that's a blue water navy right you can you can sail across the oceans china's not there russia is so so i think by far russia um is is more advanced uh overall when it comes to military technology now on ai because there has been uh so much um sharing amongst you know the uh um those working on developing it um, this this stuff is is uh, very very openly shared, which is good. Um, it also you know the one downside to that is it also means other countries, um, terrorist groups, whatever, can also have access to this with with not an incredibly sophisticated um, infrastructure under which to run it. So so I think uh, yeah, Russia is by far the biggest concern, but. But also when you look at asymmetrical warfare, we might have the broadest uh, you know, set of technology for war fighting, but you know, we could certainly have some chinks in our armor that a company like Iran, a, a country like Iran could, uh, uh, could exploit. And, and let's be clear, the Iranians are smart. Their technology is, is good. Uh, I do not believe it's at the at the level of the U.S. technology, but they've also in, in past years, we've all remember the headlines of them breaking down our drones, being able to hit it with uh, certain radio waves or whatever, some sort of energy and, and blocking our communications and the drone crashing and then recovering it. So so we're not dealing with somebody who's an unsophisticated enemy when we talk about any of these countries, Iran, China, Russia. Um, while I do think the United States has a lead. Um, I think, you know, when you look at especially China, they understand they're behind and their country strategies when it comes to primarily dealing with us, but really anywhere in the world, um, is recognizes that asymmetrical warfare that's essential to them. They don't try to do the same research the United States does. They steal what we do. Um, they aren't worried about building the same university system we have to train people to create these these tools, these systems, these weapons. They let us train them. And then just because of our, our laws, we end up sending these, these trained students that could be working uh, for the betterment of the United States. We send them back to China. So, you know, so we're doing a lot of things to, to hurt ourselves in that area. I am worried about that that chink in our armor that, of course, we don't see, and that a adversary, such as any one of those countries, um, who recognizes the United States superiority, which they do, um, they're not going to try to take us head on. Um, they're going to hit us where we're not expecting it. 
and that could be a fatal blow. Yeah, and then another component of this too is is the inside element. Um, there's so many examples uh, of false flags and things that have generated because somebody on the inside aided and abetted the enemy. A very common act of warfare: stand down orders, false flags. Um, you know, we there's a there's still to me uh, and to a lot of others as well an open question as to if there might have been some. Uh, you know, betrayal uh, within the IDF that helped Hamas in this latest thing. Um, so that's very common. And I think it's naive of anybody to just dismiss it uh, without even considering it. And so when you think about, you know, people in America, you know, that spies from Russia, from China, from many of the enemies uh, that are in high places of, you know, influence. Uh, and that's another factor, not just these you know, terrorist cells, uh, but, you know, government officials who are on the take that are a part of this. And of course, I've talked forever about the, the Luciferians at the top levels. I firmly believe uh, that the, uh, you know, the presidency, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and most of Congress are controlled to varying levels and in varying ways, but they're controlled, not saying they're all part of the conspiracy, but they are certainly controlled. And that's a that's a big problem. Uh, by the way, later today, I'm doing a, a Zoom conference uh, with a group of about 50 people in Arkansas at a church, and I'm going to be speaking on how to interpret the news. And uh, th I've really spent some time on that this week preparing that. We will post that video uh, to our uh, you know, Rumble channel and to our website as soon as that's over. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, we may have already posted it. But I encourage folks to check that out because I'm going to be talking about some key principles that I think are going to become more and more important to remember as the misinformation and disinformation campaigns heat up with this global uh, conflagration that's coming. Randy, your thoughts? Well, you know, it looks pretty bleak right now. As a Christian, I'm excited. I've been watching this all my life. I'm thinking we're going home now. God may decide he doesn't want to. Um, I certainly hope he doesn't decide that. But, you know, we look at all the negative, but we also have to understand all the positive. Situations like this will bring, bring people together. It will open their minds, open conversation and dialogue. And maybe good comes out of this somewhere. Um, you know, if, if this is truly the end times, and we know that's going to be a little more pessimistic than what I just talked about. But you have to hope that we have an idea where we're at, that we're taking precautions, and that we get to talk to everybody that isn't saved. I mean, that has been weighing on me quite a bit the last couple of months. There are so many people that need to hear the word, understand the word, and you can't get their attention. I'm hoping this crisis makes a difference. Yeah, and, and you know, we've had a ton of people downloading our free NBW preparedness guide uh, that is uh, available at notbyworks.org. Just go to the store, click on the free resources tab, and you can download that. That's going to help you think through a lot of a lot of scenarios and a lot of supplies and food and just, uh, you know, uh, survival type things that you need. It's called the NBW Preparedness Guide. I encourage you to download that and you can give it away. It's free. It's on the free section of our webs of our online store. We encourage you to email it to people. If you've got lists, uh, send that PDF to everybody. It's It's certainly not by any stretch of panacea, there are far greater, more detailed and exhaustive preparedness books and resources out there. But it's a nice, handy little way to get started. You know, Wendy and I first woke up uh, about 17, 18 years ago and have been down this rabbit hole for a long, long time. And so it's our personal preparedness guide that we've expanded and taken off any of the personal stuff that we didn't want out there. And uh, it also is contained in uh, in almost in its entirety in chapter nine of my brand new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. So if you have that book and then you've already got it, uh, by the way, I highly recommend you check out spiritofthefalseprophet.org because it, you know, that book, and you can read all about it at that website, uh, really addresses a lot of the technology that is going to be used uh, in warfare in, uh, you know, in the coming days. Um, so yeah, check out the preparedness guide, but you know, guys, as we wrap up, you know, one of the things, one of the metaphors that keeps coming to my mind as I'm looking at all that's happening around us is I can remember 
uh, when my kids were younger, on multiple occasions, taking them uh, to the circus. And of course, uh, the, at, the, at that time, the granddaddy of them all was the Barnum and Bailey Circus. We lived in a major metropolitan area, so we'd go to that three ring circus. And when we would walk into the big tent, there was so much going on, you, you almost didn't know where to look. You had three rings going on with different, you know, big activities in each ring. Then you had sideshows going on, clowns walking around. You had jugglers everywhere. You had the, you know, people selling concessions. It was just, you know, totally overstimulating in a way. And that's kind of how I feel like as I look at the world. I mean, we've got this this mass shooter that I think is still on the run if he's not dead out in Maine. That's tragic. We want to pray for those uh, people. What a horrific thing that is. Um, of course, it'll be politicized and, um, you know, to to help, you know, try to take away our guns. What we've got, uh, the issue in, you know, with Iran and U.S., which is, I was watching the news last night, and they're making a big deal about clarifying that our interaction with Iran and bombing some of them in Syria, northern Syria there, that's in, in, independent of what's going on in Israel. So it's almost like another war is about to to flare up. Of course, we all know it is somewhat intertwined, but you've got Israel, you've got Ukraine, you've got these terrorist threats. You've got Homeland Security on high alert. You've got all of our theaters at DEFCON 2, last I heard. Uh, that's pretty unprecedented for them all to be at that. So there's just a lot going on. And I think it's more important than ever that we stay rooted in the Word of God. It's our rock in the midst of the storm. It's our anchor, our true north. For believers, as we study Bible prophecy, we, as, as Randy just said, we're excited uh, because, you know, uh, you know, as as things are, are are falling apart on Earth, it just means that they're falling into place, as Jan Markell often says, uh, in terms of God's plan of the ages. So, uh, it's it's not a time to be scared. You know, God's not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, you know, but it is a time to be prepared and to be awake. Uh, you know, First Thess five six is very clear. Uh, you know that we should be awake in such a time as this. So I'll give you guys a chance to kind of close out. I encourage folks to, uh, to just, you know, be in prayer. And uh, as we've said, share the gospel. Uh, uh, Shane, you first. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback off what you said again, when, when you asked that question a while ago, I think the most important things for Christians to do right now is to have a daily um, consistent uh, time of prayer and a time of reading the scriptures, get a Bible reading plan, be deliberate, be systematic about it. Um, and, you know, it takes a little bit to develop a habit, but I'll, and, but I'll tell you like for myself, um, my life revolves around my prayer time and Bible reading time, which I typically do at about the same, same point. Um, I really structure my day around that. And, and it is wonderful um the spiritual connection you get the spiritual insight you get the sense that even though the craziness that we see happening in the world around us and it it looks bad um out there i cannot imagine going through this without that reassurance i get from the holy spirit because i'm spending that time with god yeah. so be the word um be in prayer this um while there's never a good time to not be doing those things right for that not to be something that marks your life this is one of those times when it's tragic if it doesn't mm. so be in the word be in prayer amen randy excellent advice all i can say is it this is the darkest time in human history as far as i remember it but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that is that we are closer to our salvation than ever before while we Prepare for what we think is coming. Never lose your humanity. Never forget that God is in charge. And just always remember that God's plan is perfect. He'll take us through this. And we're going home. Amen. Man, you guys are great. I love you guys. I can't wait to to, to talk again in our future uh, podcasts. Uh, we, we'll, we may do another joint one as we have an opportunity, but for sure we'll, we'll have our separate technology podcast and world events update uh, podcast. Uh, 
Yeah, I want to close out with uh, a couple of reminders and then a passage of Scripture that I think will be encouraging to all of us. First of all, if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast with John Haller on what happens next for Israel, that is a must-listen. All of them this week were. We focused on Israel all week long with uh, just an incredible uh, group of guests. I'm so honored to have each of them on, Bill Salas, Tom Hughes. Uh, you know, they're just phenomenals. But yesterday was really good with John Haller. So check that out. And don't forget next week, uh, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens, if we're still here, I've got Lucas Doremus on Monday on why Satan wants a global digital ID. We've got Mondo Gonzalez next week talking about why Christians should support secular Israel. I'll have my first ever interview with Alex Newman. We've worked together at conferences before, but he's never been on the program. Alex Newman's going to be talking about how the global elite influence world leaders. And then uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and and a great friend, Don Perkins, is going to be on talking about Is America in Bible Prophecy? Um, Encourage you to check out our new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, especially because as we've talked about on today's uh, podcast, it's all about technology and how Satan and the Antichrist and false prophet will use technology uh, Mm -hmm. as a weapon uh, to control the world uh, after the rapture, uh, and and quite likely before the rapture to a, a, a great extent as well. So check out Spirit of the False Prophet. Dot org. And remember, uh, as we've talked about, uh, the gospel tracts are a great resource to have to give out, uh, as well as that Gospel Unplugged book. But Paul said in Romans chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, someday at the end of the age, the entire creation will know who's a child of God, who's in the army of God, who are God's people, it will be known. Today, uh, you know, it's hard to know. You got a lot of false professors out there. You got a lot of uh, people that, of course, are unsaved. But someday, uh, Christ will come back, and the kingdom will begin in all of its beauty and glory. And uh, you want to be part of that group when that happens. Uh, So, God bless you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks for taking time out of your Saturday to listen to this podcast, and we'll look forward to talking with everybody next week.